0: The list of things I want to teach you is endless, so let's get to it. My name is Sylvia Smart, and welcome to The Empowerment Project. Okay, listeners, we're back. Jocelyn Hollander and Sylvia Smart, we're um, going to be talking this episode about all of Jocelyn's amazing academic research on the efficacy of empowerment self-defense, both on people's safety in in their lives, and also the efficacy in terms of how it taking classes in empowerment self-defense can really open up and change people's lives for the better in so many different ways. So Jocelyn, welcome back. I'm glad to have you here. Thanks, Sylvia. It's great to be here. So last episode, we talked about resistance. We learned a little bit about you and your journey. And so today, what can you like, how do you want to start with this? Because your head is probably so full of numbers, and like <laughs> theories and research and stories that you've heard. How do you want to start talking about this huge topic?
1: Well, um, why don't I why not I start by just just describing the the research that I've done? So, yes. you know, sort of what how how it how it works and what it looks like. Great. Um, I think you have an overly optimistic view of what's going on inside my head. Right? <laughs> 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 um, but um, I, as I think I said in the, the last episode, I've been researching empowerment self defense for about twenty years now, um, and I really started with two two separate questions. One was does Self defense training reduced the chances that someone will be sexually assaulted because we really didn't have research on that. Um, And the second question was how does this training affect people's lives in other ways besides affecting their risk of violence? Because, you know, I I found it to be a transformative experience myself that affected parts of my life that seemed very distant from the the topic of danger and assault. Um, And I was curious whether that was something that was unique to me or whether that was true for other people as well. So those are my two questions. Does it work and how does it affect people's lives? So most of the research I've done so far has had a kind of a similar structure to the project. Um, I tend to study people who are taking a self-defense class um, already, who've enrolled in the empowerment self-defense class. And then I find a similar group of people who are not taking that class and, and as a comparison group. So I don't do true experiments because um, I'm studying people who've already signed up for a class, rather than going out and recruiting a whole bunch of people and then, you know, randomly assigning them to them to take the class or not take the class. What I do is called a quasi-experiment because it does have this element of the comparison between the self-defense students and the similar comparison group, um, but it's not a true experiment. It's about as close as we can get to an experiment in in the real world. Right. So once once I find those people, I generally use several different methods to explore how they experience self-defense training. Um, I ask them to fill out a pretty extensive survey before they start taking the class. Um, I ask them about all sorts of stuff, like how confident they feel in their daily lives and what they know about violence and sexual assault and what they think they do if they were assaulted and how they feel about themselves. Um, and of course, whether they've experienced any assaults or close calls and many, many other things. So I have them fill out the survey before they take the class and then after they take the class to see how they've changed. And then a a year later, I send them a follow-up survey to see if those changes actually stick. Because, you know, if if the changes don't stick, then it's it's not very good. You really want the changes to, to last. So I do the surveys and then I also do face-to-face interviews with a smaller group of people to go into greater depth about their experiences. And we sit down and we talk about all sorts of things, whatever comes to their mind. I always have some questions to ask them about what their experiences were and how it's affected their lives. But our interviews can last for, you know, half an hour or an hour or two hours sometimes um, to hear really in depth what, what their experience has been. And then finally, I sit in on the classes myself doing what we call participant observation. So I can get a good sense of the class and what it's teaching um, and how students interact in the class and how they respond. So I've done several different iterations of this basic research design. Um, I started off by looking at a university class where most of the participants were traditional college age, you know, 18 to 22, um, and the class met for 10 weeks. So it was three hours a week for 10 weeks, so a 30-hour class, very extensive in-depth. University class, part of the part of the college curriculum, and then I looked at a very different kind of class, a community-based class in Portland, Oregon, that had um, I think it was nine hours of training, so much shorter, and had a much more diverse um, population of students of all different ages and races and educational backgrounds. Um, so you know, same kind of material, but a very different population to see whether it, it affected students the same way. Because most of the research we had seen up to that point was done with college students, Mm -hmm. um, who are, of course, you know, they're a great place to start, but it's a pretty limited sample. Um, And now I'm just getting started uh, on a study of the long-term effects of self-defense training, looking at how people who took an empowerment self-defense class, not just in the last year, but, you know, 10 years or 15 or 20 years before, how they say that that learning that material affected Their lives over decades. Wow. So does it carry through and how does it really um, change their lives if it does? So I'm just getting started on that one. Wow. How do you find those people? So I have been able to partner with people who have taught self-defense for a long time and um, have them help me track down their former students and contact them and ask them if they'd like to participate in a study. Um, it's, It's pretty challenging to find them. Because of course, some of these classes were in the, the pre-internet era, um, and people's you know people move and their phone numbers change and their email addresses change and it's hard to find them. But when I do find them, they seem to be pretty eager to talk.
0: That is exciting.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's been really it's been really fun to talk to them um, I, and hear about their lives. And the themes are very similar to what I hear from the students who took the class more recently. But what's different and what's super exciting is how the experience of learning that material decades ago has really filtered into many different aspects of their lives going forward. And some, some, of, those, some of those effects don't seem to appear until much later. Um, but I don't, the research is very new, and so I, I don't have results to share yet, but I'm really looking forward to being able to do that at some point.
0: That, that's so cool. And you know what I'm thinking as you're talking is like, hey, listeners, you need to go to the University mm. of Oregon if you're not, if you're not <laughs> in university yet and work with Jocelyn.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you for recruiting for
0: me. <laughs> or like get your master's degree under her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Because um, it's such like, it's so exciting. There's so much like what I hear you saying is like, it's still so fresh and new, and you're you're really expanding this whole field, really?
1: Yes, and there's there's actually so much to learn. We are at really at the beginning of our understanding of yeah. self-defense training and how it works um, in terms of in terms of research. there's so there's so much research left to do. Um, so anybody who who does want a research career in this, I think I think there's plenty of space to find new questions to to try and answer because there's lots of things we don't know. For example, you know, the, the, tr- the, the empowerment self-defense classes are quite complex. We do lots of different things in those classes. And so one of the questions is what, you know, what, what's, what's the magic? What, what, what is the piece of it or the pieces of it that really produce the effects that I assume we're going to talk about fairly soon? Um, you know, what's, what's the, how many hours of training do you need to, to have it be effective? And which components are the most important? And do those components vary for different people? We don't know any of that yet. So there's, there's lots of room for more research.
0: Okay, people. Yep. <laughs> University of Oregon. <laughs> Jocelyn, what can... Yeah, let's talk about your findings, the outcomes for yeah. the participants that you've followed. Like, what are some of the... I like to think of them as little gems that came out of your research, specifically with regard to sexual assault. What have you found out?
1: In my first project, the one with the college students, the group that took the ESD class... And I need to emphasize here that it really is, ESD is really the focus here. We don't have research on other kinds of self-defense classes, so we really can't generalize from this to other kinds of self-defense classes, just to ESD classes. The group that took the ESD class were less than half as likely to report an assault of any kind over that follow-up year between the surveys and the group that didn't take the class. They were that's actually- incredible. Yeah, it's it, it it is a big change. And in in research, like psychological and sociological research, people are often excited when they get a very small change, you know, 5% difference would be great, but we ha- we have like 50%. It's a big difference.
0: 550%. 550%
1: um, and that that holds across multiple categories of assault. I actually looked at four different kinds of sexual assault, at rape, at attempted rape, at sexual coercion, being pressured into consenting to sex, and also other, all other kinds of what we call unwanted sexual contact. And in every one of those categories, the students who had taken the ESD class reported many fewer experiences than people in the comparison group. So for unwanted sexual contact, it was about half as many incidents. For sexual coercion, it was about a a, a third as many incidents. Same thing for attempted rape. And when it came to rape, there were actually zero rapes reported by the self-defense group. But 3% of the people in the comparison group said they had been raped over that follow-up year. Wow. Now, that, that is a very small number, the zero and the 3%, so it's difficult to, you know, it, it, it's not statistically significant. Um, but to me, it, it, it is very suggestive that it really affected and reduced the, the rate of assault among the self-defense group. Wow. Um, it's a pretty strong, strong effect. And One of the things that's actually most interesting to me, and I think this is one of the little gems, is that 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 big decline in attempted rape. Um, So what that says to me is that it's not just that people with self-defense training have better resistance skills, because if that was the case, we'd actually see expect to see an increase in attempted rapes because they would be being, you know, approached or attacked at the same rate. But they'd be thwarting those rapes, fighting them off. But that's not what we see we see attempted rapes go down too. So it's not just that they're able to fight back more effectively. It's also that they're not being attacked or approached in the first place. So the ESD training actually seems to prevent assault, not just stop it once it started, but prevent it from happening in the first place. And I found the same pattern in my second study too with the broader community sample um, with close to 400 participants, like double the number of participants. And I should also say, Um, That since I've been doing this research, at least three other researchers have found similar patterns with different populations, including Uh, college students in Canada and high-risk adolescents in Kenya, and most recently, middle and high school girls on an American Indian reservation in the U.S. Several of these studies did use experimental methods, um, and they all found very significant and actually very similar decreases in sexual assault. So we're really developing a strong body of evidence that says this training is very effective across populations.
0: Oh my gosh, it's really exciting. Yeah, it is. To break it down for me, the non-academic, what I see in my head is when we teach an empowerment self-defense class, we're teaching, like, this is the whole piece of the lower down on the continuum of sexual assault and violence, where if I'm speaking up sooner, if I'm creating a strong boundary sooner, if mm-hmm. my entire being is more confident and my... Tell me if I'm like way off base here. But if mm-hmm. I'm creating this sort of protective circle around myself, then the perpetrator is not even coming at me.
1: That That is what the these results imply um you you know of course that that's how i'm explaining them that's how i'm interpreting them of course we we haven't we haven't interviewed the perpetrators we don't know for sure what's going on in in their minds but that to me is the most the most logical explanation for the patterns that we're seeing in the data
0: wow um okay so and there are three other studies that you are talking about yeah canada kenya uh, Kenya and uh, reservation in the U S yeah. In the U S. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, and it, you know, it's, it, it, with every new study, it becomes more, more and more powerful. Yeah. Um, and actually within each of those projects, there, there are multiple studies. Um, so it, it, you know, the researchers are are doing multiple studies. So the more evidence we have, the more con- convinced I am that these results are really, they're really true. It wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, by chance so that we really are seeing a very significant, um,
0: effect. Right. Um, so it's not a fluke and really. the results are very strong. Yes. That's-
1: Thank you for summing that up in non-academic language. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So empowerment, self-defense works. It, it works.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we can't promise that it works for everybody in every circumstance, but if you look at, at, at populations, if you look at groups, overall, it works for a lot of people and it works way better than anything else that we know about.
0: Well, that is very exciting. Um, everything that you've just talked about, your amazing research, and I know that you've um, found some other benefits and positive impact that goes above and beyond rape prevention. So what are some of the things that you found?
1: Oh, yes. Um, the benefits definitely go far beyond rape prevention. And this, you know, this, this is I think the looking at the effectiveness on violence prevention is is really important. But I get really excited when I think about all the other effects of learning empowerment, self-defense on people's lives, um, because, they're, you know, we don't often don't think about those, but they're they're really quite profound. Um, so here are some of the effects I've seen among people in my research. Um, And that my students have told me about as well. But I'll just speak from the research right now. The most obvious one, perhaps, is that it increases people's self-confidence, both about their ability to protect themselves. They feel like they could do something if they were uh, assaulted or in danger. But also, they say they just feel more confident in their everyday lives, in every aspect of their lives. So when dealing with their, their, you know, at, at work, with their employers or their friends or their roommates or their partners, they feel like they have more confidence um throughout their lives. And they say they also feel less fearful. They have less fear, less anxiety. Again, both around dangerous situations because they feel like they know that they could do something. Um, so they feel less fearful. But also in their everyday life, they say they feel less anxious overall, which I think mm-hmm. is really interesting how yeah. these effects just generalize um, beyond the, the topic of the class. People think that they're going to a self-defense class to learn you know, how to defend themselves if something dangerous happens to them. But what they don't expect, but what I really see, is that the, the effects just ripple out. Like you're dropping a pebble in a pool of water and the effects just ripple. So they also say that they feel like they're be- better able to recognize risky and dangerous situations so that they can react to them earlier, which mm-hmm. also probably helps them prevent um, assaults from starting. Um, so they know what they could do. They could, they recognize um, they recognize the situations as they're starting. So they don't have to be as afraid about them, and they feel like they they can actually take some action. I should also say that other researchers I haven't I haven't collected data on this myself, but other researchers have said that um, people who take ESD classes report re- reduced symptoms of depression and PTSD if they've been assaulted in the past. Wow. And also that they blame themselves less for past assaults. And I actually see that in my research as well. People say, oh, now I understand what was happening and now I see that it was not my fault. Um, there, this, is, this actually goes back to that topic of resistance we were talking about last time, Sylvia. Um, one source of resistance is that people often think that if people learn self-defense and then um, have some sort of assault happen to them and they're not able to defend themselves for whatever reason that they'll they'll end up blaming themselves more. Um, but I actually have found exactly the opposite and have other researchers that people blame themselves less because ESD training helps them. I think understand what happened to them in its social context and see that they are, they're not at fault, it's not what they did. It's the the responsibility lies other places with other people.
0: Right. No victim blaming. We always
1: say no victim blaming. Um, and they, they, really, they really get that at a deep level. So let's see, what else? What else can I tell you? Um, oh, people who learn empowerment self-defense, I found that they are less likely to do what psychologists call self-silencing. In other words, suppressing their own desires and thoughts in order to make other people more comfortable. So they're more willing to speak up. They, they really find their own voices um, a lot of the time and are more willing to say what they need. Um, And what they want in relationships. And they say, perhaps as a a result, that they have better relationships with all sorts of other people. Not just people that might be dangerous to them, but their family members, their friends, their romantic partners, their bosses, their teachers, basically everyone. It seems to really, again, this ripple effect. Something else that is really notable, especially among the younger um, students, is that they say they feel better about their bodies, and they they see themselves as strong and beautiful, and they see their bodies as something that isn't just a liability or a decoration for someone else to enjoy, but as something that they can they can use to protect themselves and something that can really serve them. Um, and that that I, I think that's a, a remarkable effect. This that it kind of seems to um, counteract a lot of the cultural messages about about women's bodies in particular. So overall what I see is that people seem to come out of empowerment self-defense classes with a deeper sense of self-worth and a belief that they are worth defending and that they have the right to be safe. Um, And I should say that people have told me all sorts of things, effects that it's had. And I didn't ask them about these effects directly. So I don't have this data for everybody, but anecdotally, people have told me that taking an ESD class has led them to do things like leave abusive relationships and start new careers and travel around the world, and basically do things that they wouldn't have dared to do before learning ESD. So the effects are really wide-ranging, and they're, they're really profound.
0: As you're talking, I'm like, okay, what doesn't it do? <laughs> hey, empowerment self-defense classes, take the classes, because you'll never get a cold for the rest
1: of your life. <laughs> if only that <laughs> were true.
0: <laughs> but
1: actually, when you said that, I was remembering one research participant, someone I interviewed and I said, you know, how, how has this class changed your life? And her response was, what hasn't it changed? Wow. I mean, literally, that's what she said to me. And of course, that's not true for everybody. Some people, especially people who are perhaps more mature when they take the class, they're older, they've had more experiences, they, they, have, they may have less profound effects because they have, um, learned these lessons, other places in their lives. They've had other challenges that they've overcome. Um, but for, I would say the majority of people that I've talked to, they have said it really is life-changing.
0: It's so great to hear you say that because, that's my experience that's what yeah. i see that's what i hear and the fact that you have empirical data and actual yes. interviews like written down and on date, yes <laughs> that's so great, which makes, which also, I mean, uh, again, as you're talking, kind of going back to our last episode, as you're like, yeah, people are speaking up and it's changing their relationships. They're getting out of abusive relationships. I'm like, this challenges the balance of power and people are going to resist it. It does. For
1: sure. And, you know, sometimes I I tell my students,
0: um, this, this,
1: this is going to change your life and it may change your life in some ways that feel initially uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um so be prepared for some of some of that discomfort Um, and people people may resist it but their resistance tells you a lot about those people and about how you know whether those people have your interests at heart and what kind of people those others are right um you know it, it, it it can really reveal a lot about the folks around us sometimes in wonderful ways and sometimes in ways that are not so pleasant right
0: which is that just taking a deep breath and being present and seeing what's happening actually in front of us.
1: Yes. Yes. And letting people show you who they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then taking that seriously when they when they do show you, which is one of the things we teach them in right. self-defense classes. Right. You know, so you see what's happening around you. Yeah. So I, I really think that ESD training is not just about violence prevention. It works for that, and it's great for that, but it's, it's, not, it's not just about that. It is truly a transformative experience for many people that affects their lives far beyond the question of how they deal with a dangerous situation. Um, and at, again, going to this deeper level, I really think that ESD helps contribute to social change. By changing people's ideas about what's possible and about what, what about what's what's going on in the world and about inequalities and about gender, um, it's not just it's not just an individual activity, it do, and it doesn't affect just the people who take the class. It affects the people that they go out and interact with in a different way. Um, so the you know again this ripple effect it is really I think helping to change the world.
0: I'm so with you on that, and you know we always hear these like you know, changing the world one person at a time, and right. we can all just change ourselves and work on ourselves. And that is, that is true. And this is a great example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: love you? Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, any other um, little gems on that front that you have <laughs> lingering that we haven't talked about yet, or that you want to add?
1: I think I've sprinkled most of my gems right there. <laughs> I love your
0: gems. <laughs> I love that image of the gems, just the little little sparkles. I think those, those are the main ones. Um, those are great sparkles. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that um, as we sort of, st- as we start to wrap up here, I know people are going to want to read your work and find yeah. out more about you and your studies. And I'll put links into the episode description, but... Um, for right now, what, where can we find out about you and your work? Where, where do you want to direct us to?
1: Of course. So my, my University of Oregon website is a good place to see some of my work. I also have my own website, which is jocelynhollander.com, uh, where you, I put um, uh, links to a bunch of my published work and links to our self-defense class here at the University of Oregon um, and other information. And that's probably the best place to go to find out more.
0: Wonderful. And if people want to contact you with the, is there like a contact form or?
1: Um, you know, I don't know if there is, but it definitely has my email address. Oh, and
0: that's perfect. That's the best way to find me. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, Jocelyn, it has been a really wonderful hanging out with you for two <laughs> episodes and chatting and getting to know you a little bit more. And you just have, you're a font of information. I love the research that you're doing. And on behalf of all of my listeners, I just want to thank you for, thank you for taking time with us today.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. And it, it has been such a pleasure to get to talk to you and, and think together with you. And I want to say what a service you're doing by through this podcast. It's a wonderful podcast. I've been listening to it myself and I've been assigning it to my students in my self-defense class. So thank you. Thank you for all of this as well.
0: You bet. It's it's fun. <laughs> it's it fun I get fun. to talk to people like you. <laughs> it's affirmation time. This is how I end every self-defense class. It's kind of cheesy, but it's very cool and this is how it works. We're going to do like a little call and response. If you can say this out loud, if you can repeat after me, Do it because it's important, I think, for you to hear your own voice. But if you can't, like if you're on a crowded subway or someplace where it's embarrassing, don't worry. You can also just say it inside your head. Okay? So I'm going to say something and you're going to repeat it after me. I'm going to give you space to do that. And at the end, we're going to say, yes. Here we go. Repeat after me. I am worth protecting. I love myself. I belong. I deserve to take up space on planet Earth. I am a strong and powerful person. And hey, as a wrap up, will you do me a favor? Will you do all the things that you do when there's a podcast? Like, will you tell your friends? Will you subscribe? Will you come back each week, communicate with me, review this podcast? Like all those things to help get more bandwidth, help more people find out about it. That would be super awesome take a deep breath. You are amazing. Thank you for being with me. See you next time.